when I was growing up, Sparks was like the pinnacle. Like that was the team. Like I remember when Candace Parker was there, when, you know, they were going back and forth, the Minnesota Lynx, all those years in the finals, you know, the Sparks were, were they were that team, um, them in Minnesota. So, you know, they've kind of fallen off a little bit. You know, we've had some internal changes, but you know, I think this season we have a really, really good group. New coaching staff is incredible. Um, you know, we've been in the gym the last two weeks together with, you know, some of the players and all of the coaching staff every day. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited. You know, I think this time to like turn a new leaf for this organization and make, you know, the Sparks an organization that people want to support and come play for. Hey everyone, Hannah Donnelly here for another episode of On Her Mark WNBA edition. We are talking today with Lexi Brown. She is entering her sixth WNBA season, and after a lot of movement early in her career, this is really the first time that she's been able to plant her feet with a team, and that team is the LA Sparks. Today, we talk about a lot, from reuniting with the Connecticut coaching staff that drafted her now in LA, we talk about Athletes Unlimited and the pros and cons of different off-season opportunities. And if you're an NBA fan, you probably know that her dad, Dee Brown, was a big-time player when she was growing up. So Lexi reflects today on how he has supported her in her love of the game and what it's like to reverse their roles where she's on the court and he's in the stands, something she absolutely loves. Plus, Lexi explains how the secret ingredient to lead growth and success could be as simple as a healthy dash of spice. Think about that. <laughs> All right, sit back, enjoy my chat with Lexi Brown. Well, Lexi, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for being here tonight. Oh, thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I love podcasts. I'm a podcast girl, so thanks. I'm so happy to be here. Year six for you. This is yeah. exciting. How are you feeling headed into this season, year two with the Sparks? Um, I'm just really excited. You know, like you said, this is year six. Um, you know, making it into your sixth season, the WNBA is not easy. And, you know, there were moments in my career in the past where, you know, I was like, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this year or next year, you know, so to be at year six, I'm just really blessed and excited. Um, you know, this is my first season really with a solidified spot, you know, a role on the team prior to training camp. So just coming in to training camp this season, I have a completely different mindset. My confidence is through the roof. You know, I'm really excited to, to learn from my teammates, you know, and, and they're looking at me as a veteran now. So, you know, I get to teach them a little bit. So I'm really looking forward to that. Absolutely. Talk a little bit about the mindset that you're going in with this year. Um, first and foremost, I want to be like the best shooter in the league. I would love for, to like have that title. Um, you know, that can come from my shooting percentage being a certain uh, number or, you know, just the respect I get from defenders. You know, I feel like I already am on my way to being, you know, one of the top shooters in the league. Um, and then just to, to change the culture culture of the Sparks organization you know mm -hmm. when I was growing up Sparks was like the pinnacle like that was the team like I remember when Candace Parker was there when you know they were going back and forth the Minnesota Lynx all those years in the finals you know the Sparks were, were they were that team um them in Minnesota so you know they've kind of fallen off a little bit you know we've had some internal changes but you know I think this season we have a really really good group 
new coaching staff is incredible. Um, you know, we've been in the gym the last two weeks together with, you know, some of the players and all of the coaching staff every day. So mm -hmm. I'm really excited. You know, I think this time to like turn a new leaf for this organization and make, you know, the sparks an organization that people want to support and come play for. I'm here for that. That sounds, that sounds awesome. And you talked about a new coaching staff. Kurt Miller is there. Um, you played with for, for him, uh, your first season. So, so talk about that reunion. Um, was there a comfort knowing that he was coming? Like what, <laughs> talk to me about that. <laughs> I mean, yeah, a little bit, you know, I think it was funny when they announced that Kurt was, um, named the head coach. I had kind of predicted that that was going to happen after mm -hmm. they had lost in the finals. I figured that, that team and the coaching staff, you know, we're going to part ways after being together for so long. Mm -hmm. um, so it wasn't a shocker to me. My phone was blowing up because, you know, our separation after my rookie season wasn't like the prettiest um, or the most positive, but mm -hmm. you know, it was very professional and, and respectful. And that's what's important at the end of the day. So he's grown a lot. I've grown, you know, way more than he's grown, obviously. You know, I was just 22 years old when, when we first met, 23 um, but it's been really nice to, you know, see him and, and show him who I am, who Lexi is now at 28 and how much I've matured and how much, um, you know, I've learned and, and experienced since, you know, we were together when he drafted me, obviously mm -hmm. I think I'm thankful for him because he, he's, he's the one who gave me my first opportunity in the W. So pretty much the entire coaching staff, um, that drafted me is now in LA. So, um, for me, that is comforting because I don't have to really learn new personalities and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. focus more on myself and, you know, helping out the young ones as much as I can. And so last year when you, you know, joined the sparks, you're, they really were looking for you three and D like that was, that was your, uh, role and you delivered <laughs> to say the least, has that been the focus of the off season, just kind of improving that getting, getting reps there, or has there been a different focus for you? Um, I know you mentioned looking to, to be the best shooter in the league, but what has that, what does that mean? Off season has looked like for you. Yeah, for me, off season is obviously just getting up a lot of reps shooting. You know, that's after a certain point in your career shooting is just all about reps and confidence. So, you mm -hmm. know, just getting those reps up and, and just finding shots different ways, you know, just not depending on catching and shooting, coming off of down screens, stagger screens, but, you know, shooting a little bit more off the bounce transition. Um, when Kurt was hired, you know, he called me a few days later and he let me know that he wants me to do more than just shoot threes. You know, he said, I kind of, have pigeonholed myself into a, a, a box of just having to shoot threes. And he's like, and you just, I've seen your growth as a player and you can do so much more than that. So, you know, coming off of screens, you know, mid range a little bit, being able to facilitate, bring the ball up the floor, um, just not being, just not being the shooter, but obviously I'm going to continue to do what I do best. <laughs> that shoot three. <laughs> that, what a, what a unique opportunity to have a coach kind of invite you into a space of, of not being in a box. Cause so often you hear coaches say, Hey, this is your role. Don't stray from it. Like, this is what I need you to do. And that's it. Yeah. And then Kurt's great. Like I've always respected him as a coach, even when I was a rookie and, you know, not really playing a ton that he's still super brilliant. He loves, um, you know, watching film. He loves analytics. He's really a basketball nerd like me. So, yeah. you know, we got along in that way, but <laughs> you know, there is a role that we're all going to have, but you know, this team is very different than the team he had in Connecticut. And I think he's really excited about the versatility of all of us, you know, mm -hmm. from one through five. Um, you know, I think he didn't really have any three-point shooters in Connecticut for a right. few seasons, so he's really excited about that. <laughs> um, and I, I think we're all just really excited to 
have something new and have a change. You know, last year is kind of like a free for all, like do whatever. And you, that's just not how you win games in the W. So we're really excited to have a coaching staff and a head coach like her. That's amazing. And so, you know, focusing on reps and shooting in the, in the off season, um, you also stayed stateside this year. I know that you have played overseas and then you chose, um, the last two years to play athletes unlimited. Uh, tell me, tell me how those compare to each other and how, um, staying here this year has helped your game. I think, um, I think it's, a, I think it is important for players to go overseas, especially in their like early uh, careers. If they're not really playing that much, it's, it's just, for me, it was always about just wanting to be playing. So our off season is just so long. Um, you know, if athletes unlimited didn't exist, I probably would still be going overseas. Cause I just love playing. Like I, mm-hmm. I want to be on the court. I want to be in the gym. And I think seven months is like an absurd amount of time to just not play. Um, so the, I would just say the biggest difference is I think the competition, like top to bottom is higher at AU, obviously, um, you know, in Europe, you know, you might have, you might find one or two teams that are like super, super talented, but mm-hmm. for the most part, their whole rosters, you know, aren't, you know, the great, greatest athletes, you know, they're not always super big. Um, but as a player, like you are like the center point of your team when you're overseas usually. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's really fun to get a lot of reps, get your confidence up. You're not coming out of the game ever. So <laughs> um, it's a good experience and it's a good way to get your confidence. But with AU, it's just like a very unique um, opportunity and the, the way that it's player ran and player led. It just gives you a completely new perspective of the game. Mm-hmm. And uh, rotating teams every week is also really interesting. It's funny explaining it to people. They're like, what do you mean you guys rotate teams? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, like it's just 44 of us. So right. um, you know, moving forward, I think we're going to have more of like a a long-term plan you know I'm a member of the the executive committee um still last year I was also and we kind of were planning like year by year um and just now with the explosion of like the popularity of the college players and NIL I just feel like there's just there's a plan that we can put in place to you know help those players continue to build their brands and their skills and not have to leave the United States so Mm -hmm. I think that's the biggest thing is you know now these girls are coming out of college with endorsement deals and brand smart sponsorships and partnerships and you know they don't want to jet off to Europe for eight months and they don't have to in in ways that or you know even five years ago some of you know W players had to make a living right it wasn't it wasn't a a comfort it was a necessity yeah it was a necessity and like no shade to these girls but like they're all not gonna make the WNBA and that is completely okay but we want to provide a space for them, you know, to be able to stay stateside and still be professional athletes and mm-hmm. still build their brand and their skill set and maybe potentially get to the WNBA, you know, if right. they, they get cut or they don't get drafted. Um, so I'm just really excited. You know, I don't know how long I'm going to continue to play in AU, but, you know, I always want to be involved. And I think it's mm-hmm. something that's really special through all the sports that we have in Athletes Unlimited. So right. I'm just really happy to be a part of it. I was really excited <laughs> to be like one of the first players on board. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Natasha Cloud was really the first basketball player, the first W player, and she brought mm-hmm. me on immediately. So I'm always going to be grateful for her, but I'm just really excited for, you know, AU moving forward. 
And it's such a unique opportunity. Like you, you mentioned is that it's player led and you have talked about having some interest in being a general manager one day, whether that's the NBA, the WNBA. So this was an opportunity for you to really dip your toes into that a little bit, making, um, you know, team decisions and, and coaching and things like that. Um, what did you learn from, from having to make those decisions and from having to kind of put that, um, that lens on? Yeah, I think the biggest thing I learned was just coaching is hard. And (laughs) I'd never wanted to be a coach. I definitely don't want to be one now. (laughs) I just have found a new respect for them and how they manage game and how they manage their their players. Because, you know, you're not going to be able to make everybody happy, but you can Mm -hmm. still make everybody feel valued. And I think that that was one of the most important things that I learned. And then I was like kind of thinking back on other coaches that I've had in the past. And I'm just like, it's not hard to make all your players feel valuable like even if they're not playing so I was kind of like okay these coaches you know why are they acting the way they act it's not that hard to make your 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 team your team feel valuable and important to what's going Mm -hmm. on so that was like the most important part for me um but this past season I didn't I was never a captain so um you know I got a completely different perspective of AU from last year where I was like the captain the entire time so Mm -hmm. um now being the PC and becoming the chairperson of the PEC, I feel like I have a really wide understanding and lens of what we need to do moving forward to continue to make this like a positive experience for everybody. That's awesome. And you talk about, you've mentioned confidence a few times, and I think with being valued as a player that, that can boost confidence, right? So even if you're not playing to feel valued, you know, that there there's, you're bringing something to the table. Um, you've had your own journey with confidence in the league, um, possibly before I'm, I'm not sure, but, um, you know, talk about that roller coaster and and how you were able to get to where you are now. Um, you know, four, four teams, five years, like that's not easy to kind of plant your feet and keep chasing the goal with, um, the same like passion that you have no I mean and I had moments like that that season where I I got cut from Chicago you know that was like it was it was very devastating to me when that happened you know Mm -hmm. I think I was already dealing with getting cut from Minnesota like right before training camp like without even getting a conversation from anybody in the organization you know that just kind of that like hurt my feelings Mm -hmm. Then, like, after I got out of my feelings, I was like, okay, well, obviously, this was a business decision. So then I go to Chicago, and, you know, I get cut again, and I'm just kind of like, y'all y'all saw me get waived, and then you brought me here, and, like, with no, and like, in hindsight, we found out, like, they didn't really have the money to even have me on the team anyway. Mm-hmm. So it was just kind of like adding insult to injury. And I'm yeah, like, like, what are you doing? me here I could have went somewhere else um but I mean I have to like give credit to my parents because they never really let me get too low ever but they also never really allowed me to get too high you know you're in you're a senior in college you know you're one of the best players in the country you're on the top of the world you just got drafted you know you you arrived to training camp and you just like lost and just confused and you just feel mm-hmm. like young um and just inexperienced and you know just dealing with that um and not really having a role on your team and that's kind of what I dealt with in, in Connecticut and just trying to figure it out and I think that's mm-hmm. why it was so important for me to go overseas and gain that confidence back and then you know mm-hmm. getting traded to Minnesota you know, I, had a re- I had a really good second year and a lot of people don't really remember my second season because so much 
drama has happened from between year two and now. Um, but, you know, year two, I, you know, really felt like I was finding my footing. Um, mm-hmm. And then COVID, COVID happened, you know, that was kind of obviously basketball. So unimportant compared to all the other devastating things that happened during the pandemic. But, you know, that kind of threw everybody off a little bit, but definitely, yeah. you know, we played in the bubble, you know, that was an interesting experience, mm-hmm. but, um, you know, just being, being locked in, you know, like I said, I just love basketball so much. So it was never hard for me to continue to work and continue to be in the gym um, and just stay positive, as positive as I could. But at the end of the day, I knew if it came down to me out having to like work, outwork somebody or prove it, like just on the court, like I knew I was going to be fine. So Mm -hmm. that was always my mentality. And my parents always kept me very grounded. And I remember when I got cut from Chicago, Coach Wade was like, be ready because like there is a chance that we like will bring you back later and I was like whatever James so but in my mind I was like I gotta go home and get like stay in the gym and blah 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 my mom was like no Lexi like go enjoy your summer like go enjoy yourself like you can work out when you feel like it but like you haven't had a free summer like in 10 years since college Mm -hmm. so she's like go enjoy yourself and I did I went to Miami with my one of my best friends who lives there I stayed at her place and got in the gym when I could and then literally got I was in Miami when I got the call and he was like can you be in Chicago tomorrow and I was like well I'm in Miami but I can go to Atlanta and gather my things and come to Chicago so you know that was a whirlwind you know 24 hours and you know the next day to air two I was on the court playing in a game against Phoenix so it was it was was a whirlwind for sure but you got to stay ready and that's you know that's really the the definition of the WNBA is like, just stay ready and be mm-hmm. ready when the number's called. And so you mentioned your parents a few times here. Um, what was their influence early on? I mean, for those who don't know, your dad had a very successful career in the NBA. Um, your mom also played in college, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, so did you feel pressured to play at first? Like, did they introduce you to it? Did they let you find it on your own? How did that talk to me about how, what that looked like? Yeah. I mean, my parents, obviously, they're, they're both athletes, so we were very active as kids, so I pretty much did every sport possible, softball, soccer, gymnastics, like, I was doing everything, um, and I do say, like, I, I fell in love with basketball because it's what my dad did, and I just love spending time with him, so, like, there was that, but um, I, like, had a really, really tight, close group of girls, and, like, that lived around where we lived. And we just, like, all of our parents got along. Like, we all got along. It was, like, eight of us. And we just decided to, like, make a basketball team. So from, like, I would say maybe, like, fourth grade to, like, eighth grade, like, this was just our team. And it was just, like, random girls from Windermere, Florida, where we lived. You know, none of them play basketball anymore. Not a single one. Really? uh, But me. (laughs) So it was just like literally my little group of friends and we just like, and my dad was just such a, he's just such a good coach trainer. So my dad would just come in and train us all. And like, it was, it's funny now that I haven't, like, I haven't talked about this team like ever, but like we were horrible, like we were terrible. And then we just keep kept getting better and better and better. And it was just like, we worked so hard, like, it was funny, like, none of these girls wanted to play basketball professionally. I don't even think any of them played college basketball. Like, it was just something that we did, like, as friends. And it just, we just grew, we grew up together, basically. And then, you know, I just kind of 
you know, separated myself a little bit. It ended up like going to a different team and then, you know, the rest is history. But, you know, that friendship like group kind of is what like made me fall in love like a lot with basketball. Cause I'm like, look at like all the amazing things and people and experiences you have, you know, playing this team sport. And I really love tennis. Tennis was actually my first love. Okay. But it was just too much one-on-one time. Like, mm-hmm. I do like the camaraderie that and like yeah I trained with other players but it's still like an individual sport and I was just Mm -hmm. like like I don't like this as much as basketball but sometimes Mm -hmm. I like when I'm looking at like Serena and Naomi Osaka and and Sharapova and like Mm -hmm. how much money they make and all that and all the Louis Vuitton ads I'm like dang I probably maybe should have you know stuck with tennis but there's always a second life there's always a second life you're athletic I said my daughter is playing tennis if I'm blessed to have a daughter she is playing tennis I don't care what she says so um but yeah like that was that was a process in the journey I never felt pressure and I think that's why I love the game so much and so your dad coached you and trained you and um was there what I, I mean we we I think Kobe kind of introduced us to this idea of the girl dad and, and encouraging. And and when I say introduced us, I mean, like broadly, I think that has existed. Right. Um, how did you feel that having a dad or parents, but specifically a dad support you in women's sports and to, you know, lift you up and say like, and not compare you to the dudes and all of that really just lift you up in the sport. Yeah. I think it it was, so important and Mm -hmm. it was nice because I also had like a lot of my teammates who had dads that were like very involved with like our basketball and our team and stuff like Mm -hmm. that and you know growing up I thought that was normal like that's not normal to have Mm -hmm. you know a parent that is like just supportive like obviously yeah they were hard on us he was hard on me but you know I've heard some horrible stories from you know my friends about their parents and how they treat them and how they speak to them and just all the pressure that they they threw on them, you know, growing mm-hmm. up. So, you know, I, when Kobe and Gigi, like when all that girl dad stuff started coming out, me and my dad were like, look, it's us. Like they're <laughs> doing exactly like Kobe having that little group of girls, you know, with Gigi, Gigi being like the best player on the team. But those girls just, you know, working really hard, you know, Kobe just taking care of all those girls and, mm-hmm. you know, making them confident and, you know, just making them better every single day. And like, my Kobe's with his Mamba Academy. Like my dad had a facility in Orlando. Like that's mm-hmm. where we would practice at. Like it was just very, it was really amazing to see, you know, people seeing it like globally mm-hmm. and worldwide and that whole girl dad thing coming, you know, up. So, you know, I think that Kobe really like stamped that. And I think yeah. like obviously girl dads have like they've always existed. Like men have always had daughters and blah, 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 yeah. Blah. Like, yeah. I think now, you know, having girls that are interested in sports, like it's not like, oh, why doesn't she want to do cheerleading or why doesn't she want to be an artist or why is she mm-hmm. like so into sports? Like it's not really stigmatized anymore. Like like men are like proud when they have like daughters that like are, are beating all the boys in every yeah. sense and everything. Like they're not like, why is she like this? Yeah. So it's like nice to see that. And, you know, I just think that, you know, girls just got to be confident and, you know, your dad is your first love. So when you have that, you know, from him, I think it's everything. What is it like when, when he's at games? Oh, I love when he comes to games and last year he only came to one and he came with my brother. Um, so I love, and he always sits courtside and mm-hmm. he's always right there. 
Um, and I just see him with his phone out, like recording. <laughs> I'm like, dad, you see me shoot every day of my life. Like you do not have to record everything, but he's so adorable. And growing up, like he just, he is very quiet. So, you know, mm-hmm. he doesn't yell. If I didn't like run up to him and give him a big hug, people probably wouldn't even know he was in the gym. So like mm-hmm. he's very reserved and very proud of us. And he kind of just lets us have our moment. So you know, I love when he comes to games. Hopefully this season he'll be able to come to more, uh, mm-hmm. you know, not just in LA. I like when he comes to road games too. So yeah. It's nice. Yeah. Do you ever lean on him now? Like for, for pointers or things like that? Do you have like a pregame? Do you like text him before or after the game? Or is there anything that you lean on him for? Um, I mean, I get texts from him before the game. So me, me, my mom and dad, my dad are in a group chat. Mm-hmm. So I get my little pregame text from them. And then sometimes at, at halftime, I'll like, take a quick look at my phone and he'll have some like halftime notes that he sent me. Um, and then after the game, like, it's funny, like we have like an understanding, like if I had like a horrible game, like they won't text, like they won't yeah. text, like they know, like if I had like, if I'm visibly upset, like I know I play bad and it was like kind of like, it was just like an off shooting night or mm-hmm. something like that. Like they'll be like, next game like just focus on the next game but if it's like I'm just like out of it and I everything that I'm doing is just not me like then I'll have like a nice a nice little text waiting like yeah like see so um but we know like they know exactly what to say um even sometimes when I don't want to hear it and you know I think that's really important too I think that comes from having you know they're they're both athletes they have that they understand right what it's when you need it, when you don't, cause there's always, right. you always hear the stories, right. Of like the parent that texts like, good game, honey, you can get them next time. And you're like, yeah. no. you're like uh, <laughs> I was over 5,000, please. Like, don't <laughs> lie to me. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, so when you, when you are training in the, in the off season and you're preparing or, or even before games now, how do you lock in? How do you stay focused on, do you look at like a season ahead? Do you focus on a specific like one game at a time, like what's the approach that you have? It really, and it really depends like on our schedule. Cause you know, we, there are times in our season where we're playing like every other day. So yeah. you kind of have to like, make sure you have a routine down. And I think that's going to be like the biggest step I'm going to have to take as a professional. Uh, mm-hmm. This season is just like establishing a routine that I do that everybody around knows that I do so like when I get to the gym everyone knows oh Lexi's gonna be here at this Mm -hmm. time she's gonna do this at that time and I haven't really been able to do that yet so I'm like actually very looking forward to having a routine that I can do during practice during game days so like you said like if it's we have like looking ahead for the season or looking ahead for the game like nothing I do is going to change like just the opponent is changing and obviously the scouting report we have to do our, our homework on the other team, but mm-hmm. I just want to be able to be locked in and do the same thing. And, you know, I think that's something that I did a lot in college. I had a very mm-hmm. strict routine every game day that I always did. And, you know, and that matters. And sometimes as a young player, you don't understand how important a routine is. So, mm-hmm. you know, growing up and maturing a little bit, I'm, I'm realizing how important that is. So, you know, just maintaining that, I think is going to be really, really helpful. What did that routine, like, what did your college routine entail that you want to bring in to this season's routine? Just like being on the court, like at like pretty much like the same time doing, getting mm-hmm. the same shots up, you know, getting up shots that like I'm going to take in the game, not really like last season. I'll say like in our pre, 
be pregame shooting. Like we were in groups that like didn't really make sense all the time. So like yeah. sometimes I was taking shots that I shouldn't take, be taking. And my teammates were like practicing shots that they really shouldn't be taking. Like it's okay to like get up some of those shots, but right. like the entire like workout being something that you're not going to do in a game ever, like probably wasn't the best thing for us to do. Um, you know, stretching, um, you know, I get a like, a little snack in between, you know, just take your time. You know, we have to be at the gym so early. So just having that and just have making sure that everybody's on the same page also. Um yeah, and I think finally I get to be like a priority in the training room. So it's like that's gonna be fun to like get stretched and, and taped and all that before everybody else mm-hmm. because I'm one of the veterans. So it's gonna be nice to tell the rookie to move aside. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Wait, you got to wait your turn. I love that. Something else that I know you've talked about that I think is really, is really important when we talk about women's sports is just kind of embracing the feminine side. And I know that you always have your nails done for games. Yeah. So talk to me about that. And cause I think something that like people shy away from talking about sometimes because they have to be an athlete. It's like, no, an athlete can be, be and it's like, there's just this stigma of the WNBA like there's just like there's just like no feminine women in it at all um and even the ones that like don't necessarily look feminine like still are like there are some that like may not traditionally look feminine but like they are still very much feminine um and I think like that's that's the hard part about being a woman like you're just judged off of your looks like immediately and Mm -hmm. then people make assumptions from there but um, for me, like, I mean, I grew up, I was a tomboy till about like age 14. Like I was wearing like basketball shorts to school and slides mm-hmm. and my hair was always in a bun. So, you know, one day I kind of just, I feel like everybody has their own journey of, you mm-hmm. know, finding out who they are and discovering themselves. And, you know, I slowly shied away from that tomboy stuff. You know, I still have tomboy, like, clothes like I'll still wear like cargo pants and like shorts like I still my style I would say still like kind of like in between girly and and tomboy but um for me like even growing up I wasn't allowed to like do makeup I wasn't Mm -hmm. allowed to have my nails done I wasn't allowed to do any of that growing up but you know I watched my mom do her hair makeup whatever and she's she's a natural girly though so it wasn't always a lot but you know, right when I hit that college campus and I got my first (laughs) check from the school I went straight to the nail salon and got my nails done um and then I started you know being able to get my hair done I started wearing lashes my senior year of college so the girls are kind of wearing them a little young now but um you know I just think that they're so cute and then they make you know your day easier mm-hmm. um but it's always important to me to just be myself yeah um and I'm seeing a lot more players embracing their feminine side especially you know at the college level mm-hmm. um so I love to see that and it's mm-hmm. it's being celebrated more because yeah. it used to be like Oh, she's girly. Oh, she must not like, she must not be good. One, that's mm-hmm. the first assumption is you're not good. And then two, like, oh, she's focused on her looks or whatever. She doesn't, she probably doesn't work hard because she doesn't care. Um, and I think all of those, you know, stigmas and assumptions are, are slowly going away. And I love mm-hmm. that because you can be both. You can be girly and you can be a badass on the court. Like it's, it's not one or the other. You can be both. So yeah. I'm really glad that, you know, more players and, and are being recognized, you know, for their, their feminine 
you know, energy. But again, the ones that don't have the most feminine energy, like they should be celebrated too. And like they mm-hmm. shouldn't be looked at in a negative way. I used to preach in my lot preach. I used to just go around yelling in my locker room. I was like, look good, feel good, play good guys. That's all that matters. And that means a different thing to everybody, but exactly. We had some girls that would just be totally like, like, like makeup, nails, hair, everything. Others were just like, throw the hair in a bun and go. And you know what? They all performed the way that they needed to. Um, So I want to ask about the W and the growth and what from your seat, what needs to happen for this game to continue to grow? I think we're seeing it head the right direction, but like anything, the momentum, we need to keep fueling, fueling it to keep growing. So from your, from your seat, what needs to happen? Um, well, actually we just talking about this yesterday, um, with Gilbert Arenas actually, cause I was on his podcast and we were just talking about, cause they, they so you know, there's a conversation of like letting the college players come sooner because mm-hmm. that's going to uh, impact the viewership. And I'm like, well, if they're not in college building their viewership, then what are they going to bring to the pros if yeah. they're missing out this entire time to build their brands and, and their confidence and their fan bases right now you're taking that away completely and throwing them into the the league where you think is like the most horrible place on earth so like that doesn't your argument doesn't make sense for me I think and what I saw um with the college season this year is just like storytelling and I think that's why we love AU because it's they're big on storytelling mm-hmm. like there needs to be like some rivalries in the W. There needs to be some stories that may not be the most flower positive. We love everybody stories, but like you don't have to like diminish anybody's game or character, but people like drama. And I hate that, but like, that's just what the world is. The NBA is drama every day, drama 24 Mm seven, but they go on the court and they perform and they put the ball in the basket and they're all friends at the end and everything's cool. It's professional sports, it's entertainment. Mm-hmm. And I think for us, like we are so focused on like just being like extremely family friendly, which is fine. You know, I love that the fact that people want to bring their kids and stuff to the games, but it's mm-hmm. like cup, like sugarcoat, cupcake, everything. When like there are some like there are some like little mini rivalries throughout the league, you know. If a player gets traded from a team, like that's a story. Like if the the aces doing what they did and liberty doing what they did like i'm waiting for the w to be like this is the story of the season these are the first like super teams that have been built in free agency and who's going to be the better super team like that's like the easiest story that you could go with this it's season. writing itself this season like, right there <laughs> so i'm just waiting on that you know i know players are going to be like annoyed by it because like okay they're a super team woohoo but like you have to deal with that. And then you can be the team that takes down the super team. Like it's just, there's just so many possibilities for mm-hmm. storytelling. And I think that's the biggest thing that the, the W is missing. And then it's just like, anytime they, something gets a little spicy, they just immediately want it to like go away. Mm-hmm. When really like those are the things that they should be leaning into. Cause at the end of the day, we're all professionals mm-hmm. and we know this is entertainment. Um, and it's how we, you know, make money and we want to have a good time on the court as well. Like we don't need everything to be like perfect G rated all the time. And I think that's like the hump that we're missing. And then obviously just putting us on TV more. Mm-hmm. Um, but we don't have any control of that right now, but yeah. um, you know, you put things on television, you, you put things out for people to consume, they, they will consume it. So, mm-hmm. I mean, I think we're headed in the right direction. I think 
Um, you know, us as players, we put out a great product. I think Kathy's doing the best that she can. You know, some people mm-hmm. are not super big fans or high on Kathy, but I think she's like really making amazing strides for this league. Yeah. And, you know, I think we're, we're heading in the right direction. I think it's going to be good. I mean, you just need to add a little spice. I like that. Add a little spice to it. (laughs) All right. Well, I'm loving this conversation, Lexi. I think there's just so much to dive into with you. Um, And I want to ask you one final question. I ask everyone, when things get tough, what's your mantra? What do you lean on? When things get tough? Um, Dang, I don't know. I'm not going to, I don't think I have a mantra, but like sometimes I'm like, Oh no, I guess I'll be like, if it's not going to matter in five, five years, it's not going to matter in five minutes. You need to just get over it. That's one. And then another thing I do is like, if I'm struggling, I'm like, just take a nap and wake up. The second person that has said that I absolutely (laughs) love that. We're going to take a nap and we're going to wake up and see if you wake up and that's the first thing you're thinking about, then okay, we're going to move forward. But if you take a nap and you wake up and like, it's at the back of your mind, then it's not as important as you think it is. That's amazing. I love that. Well, Lexi, thank you so much for taking the time. Uh, I'd love for you to come back and chat more. We are like just scratching, scratching the surface. Yes, I'd love to come back. I told you I love podcasts. So amazing. If you want to chat, just let me know. We'll have you back soon and good luck this season. I'm excited for you and we'll be, we'll be cheering for you. Thank you so much. Lexi and the LA Sparks open the season at home on Friday, May 19th against the Phoenix Mercury. All right. Thanks for tuning in today. Remember, you can listen to more player interviews right here on your podcast platform or watch them on the NBC Sports Boston YouTube page. That does it for me. I'll catch you next time.